Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Roughness. You gotta score points to win. You can't win without scoring points. Touchdown Raiders! He went right through the line and gives Vegas a touchdown to extend the lead. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. In a matter of minutes, we'll be joined by Eric Galco, player director of football operations and player personnel from the East-West Shrine Bowl. Before we get to that, we did want to ask the question, what does this front office need to do to give you confidence? They have a plan. Is it a move, a series of moves? Is it a free agency, the draft? What's going to push the needle for you? That's the question we threw out there. Dolbybroke.com, text line 69187, keyword r Make sure you get those questions into us. And you could also get your questions into our next guest if you'd like. Again, 69187, keyword r And joining us now on the phone lines is Eric Galco, player director of football operations for the and player personnel for the East-West Shrine Bowl game. And Eric, thanks so much for your time again this afternoon. And, man, we've been ramping up and ramping up and ramping up, and now it's here. I mean, guys are going to start reporting. There's going to be practices over the weekend and media sessions on Friday. Does it feel like it's go time to you now? Absolutely does. And we are, uh, players arrive in less than 24 hours, and our coaching staffs are all here, getting Bill Belichick, Arthur Smith, the Patriots and the Falcons all set up too, and talking with players about last-second preparation deals too. So we are, we are here and starting ready to go tomorrow. You mentioned Bill Belichick. You mentioned Arthur Smith. They're going to be supervisors, so they're going to let their assistants be the head coaches, and also position coaches really are going to take the ranks. How big is that for those coaches to get that opportunity? It's great on both fronts. These, these uh, coaches that are going to be usually position coaches or coordinators get a chance to do kind of one job up what they're doing on the Patriots and Falcons staff, so a great opportunity for them. But Bill Belichick and Arthur Smith may be really experienced, really talented head coaches, but they were all other coaches one day, and they want to get some hands-on experience. So I think we'll see Bill Belichick doing some D-line drills. We'll see Arthur Smith doing some tight end work, and, and these head coaches get a chance to supervise, but also get a chance to – kind of enjoy coaching in this uh, all-star type of event. Again, Eric Galco is our guest here on Radio Nation Radio 920. Unnecessary Roughness, my man demond has got one for you. How much access will the players have to the head coaches you mentioned, Arthur Smith and Bill Belichick? A lot, a lot. They'll be in meetings intermittently, too. And one of the benefits of being supervisors is allows Arthur Smith and Bill Belichick to get the real benefit of the Shrine Bowl, which is evaluating these players, not as coaches, but really as evaluators. So we'll see a lot of Bill Belichick and Arthur Smith and also Bill O'Brien, and Ron Mayo for the Patriots and um, people on, and, and Coach Rangone for the Falcons as well, kind of be in the back of those meeting rooms and see how these players learn, absorb information, and interact with their coaches. So these coaches will be able to kind of be supervisors, watch their coaches, but also watch these players from a distance. But again, certainly Arthur Smith, Bill Belichick, they want to get involved in practice. They want to get involved with these players and also use the opportunity to be a mentor for these players as well too. So it's kind of the best of both worlds on both fronts. Speaking of mentors, I know that former players and maybe some current players come and speak to the players. So do you have a list of performer pros that are going to be talking to the players for the event this, week, this year? we got a great list of players. We have uh, one of last year's Shrine Bowl standouts, turned one of the best NFL rookie pass rushers. James Houston of Jackson State will be mm-hmm. here. Uh, Darren Waller, Las Vegas Raiders, um, talented player. He'll be here as well, too. Jordan Palmer, um, one of the best quarterback coaches, one of the best kind of um, movement specialist in the NFL training world, and, and many, many more NFL legends will be there all week long, as well as pro bowlers. So we've got a great slew of people who are going to be involved with our players all week long, including the names I just said. Talking again with Eric Galco here on Raider Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness, talking all things about the Shrine Bowl. How much do the players, say, from the east side get to talk to the coaches on the west side and vice versa? 
Yeah, it's a good question. Not not as much. Not as much. There's still uh, there's still some gamesmanship. So these coaches are, in some ways, the Falcons and Patriots, giving these players a big part of their playbook. So there's still some secrecy going on, protecting trade secrets, but they want to see how these guys interact with uh, their playbook as players, too. So we'll see them. The East team and Falcons being secretive from the Patriots <laughs> and West Ham as well, too. But at the end of the day, I know the Patriots and Falcons have already started sharing notes, already started talking about players, and certainly had those discussions when we had our roster selection process, too. So there'll be some friendly competition, but I think they're all aware this is an all-star game environment. You know, Eric, one thing I saw that I thought was really cool was the fact that Otis Ridley and also Tony Hole are going to be part of uh, the coaching yeah. staff, and those are from HBCUs. Uh, how often does that hop- happen, and how, how great of an opportunity is that for those guys? Yeah, we started this a year ago to, to kind of really involve HBCU programs in a lot of ways. We have HBCU players. We had four last year, four this year. We work with HBCU institutions and conferences to promote players all year long, HBCU players of the week. And then we also installed we have HBCU athletic trainers, um, video coordinators, equipment people as well to kind of get experience in these HBCU institutions. And then now we have the two coaches. So Otis Ridley is a big reason why Jackson State had success before and during Coach Prime's tenure. Tony Hall, one of the rising coaches at any level of football from Grambling said he's their offensive coordinator. So we've got two really impressive coaches that NFL teams are aware of. But just like these position coaches and coordinators can do one job ahead, I think NFL teams both coaching, the Patriots and Falcons, as well as GMs and coaches watching practice to see how these coaches also operate in this NFL-like setting. Data is so important in today's game. So with Zebra Technology helping you guys out, what are you going to be able to track with the players on the field? Yeah, easy enough to say speed. I can see he's running the fastest 40s out here, fastest, highest miles per hour, most acceleration, but also cool stuff such as velocity by quarterbacks, punt hang time. Last year, our punter, Ryan Stonehouse, had one of the highest hang times that Zebra's ever seen in an All-Star game. He's the first rookie Pro Bowl punter in the last 25 years. Last year, our highest RPMs during the game of all of our quarterbacks was, you guessed it, Brock Purdy. So <laughs> this data is really interesting and fascinating to look at from a distance. But it also showed a year ago, incredibly predictive. That's the great stuff that Zebra is able to ride us as well as NFL teams. Eric, i got to ask, and this is just me being 100% selfish, I'll tell you that off top. Is there any opportunity for the media guys to have a little bit of a side competition, maybe a little 40-yard dash or something? We'll see what we can do with Zebra. I think as me and you racing <laughs> off, and, and the winner gets to host the show next week. How's that done? <laughs> <laughs> done. <laughs> done. Hey, look, man, I might sandbag it a little bit just to get a day off, man. My boss, he'd be, he be pushing it too much. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And you mentioned Brock Purdy. Is, is he all of a sudden kind of taking the mantle of, you know, the Shrine Bowl ambassador with all the success he's had? He's got a ways to catch Tom Brady, right? Uh, probably our best quarterback in Shrine Bowl history. But I think he's, he's showing a lot of similarities to Tom in terms of mature, way above his years, can lead a Super Bowl contending team, and also a guy who was a late-round pick who started because of circumstance. So there really is so many, so interesting parallels between the two. But I think what I hope Brock Purdy shows to a lot of players, not just the Shrine Bowl, but at any all-star event, any part of the draft process, is it's, it's what you make of it. Right, Brock Purdy was experienced. He did everything on film at Iowa State, and because of the evaluation process or whatever, he falls late in the draft, doesn't phase him. He impressed the 49ers in rookie minicamp. That's when they knew we've got a player here, and now he's where he's at. So I think for a quarterback or anybody, you know, certainly I like the fact that Brock Purdy kind of earned his stripes and impressed the Niners and many teams at the Shrine Bowl. But I think Brock Purdy shares a lot of what NFL prospects in the draft process need to see, which is, hey, if you take care of business, whether you started – 30 games in your college career or three, 
you can earn an NFL opportunity and maybe win a Super Bowl if you take care of business in the draft process. Eric Galco is our guest here on Red Nation Radio 920 and SA Roughness. We're talking all things Shrine Bowl and talking about alums. How about Nate Burleson? I mean, he's going into the Shrine Bowl Hall of Fame. How exciting is that? And what 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 kind of entails all the Hall of Fame ceremonies for Nate? Yeah, he'll he'll be involved uh, most of the back half of the week. So he'll be at our media day working with our players and Shriners patients and that awesome experience to kind of see what the Shriners Hospital really does for for our patients and how the players can get involved. So he'll be there. He'll be speaking to our players as well, part of that guest speaker Rolodex, and then certainly he'll be honored uh, Wednesday evening during Shrine Bowl Live, which will have media able to come to the Luxor, the HyperX Arena, and kind of meet Nate and get a picture with him, as well as talk to him about his experience in the draft process, too. But Nate is an incredible ambassador to so many things. He's obviously a very well-known individual, not only from his NFL network experience in Good Morning Football, but now at CBS. But I think more importantly for us at the Shrine Bowl, he's a great ambassador for what being a pro is like and how to handle your business on and off the field, and also how to take advantage of every step of your career, whether he was in college at Nevada, Reno, using the Shrine Bowl to be a draft pick and have a long NFL career to using his personality and his work ethic to mm-hmm. go from player to now top TV personality and, and newsbreaker as well, too. So he's a special person, a special ambassador for the Shriners Hospital. And it's fantastic for us to have him a part of our Hall of Fame. I know that it's important what these players are going to be able to learn from the coaches on the field, but off the field, when it comes to watching film, is there anything that you've noticed or scouts tell you or executives that, hey, the way that they watch film in college, it's a different level to even studying for the game as it is in the pros? Yeah, I think the one thing I took away, and, and actually two quarterbacks last year's game really stood out to me, Brock Purdy and Skylar Thompson, it's less about the desire to watch film. It's more about how quickly you can grasp information and either ask good questions or ask questions that haven't even been thought of yet by coaches. And I think talking to Brock and Skyler and Jack Cohen, all three of those guys in the same quarterback room for the West team a year ago, and just sit on a few of their meetings with Gerard Johnson, who's now a, a quarterback coach for Minnesota Vikings, it, I was just a sponge back there. I mean, I've been around this business for a long time, but just hearing how they're talking about different concepts, how to run this drill, how to utilize this player, just in terms of four or five days of the Shrine Bowl, you can tell those guys were, were mentally built different to be guys that can handle complex things in the NFL and, and having really impressive conversations. And Skyler started games in the playoffs. Brock is Brock Purdy. Jack Cohen will be in the league again, too. And Gerard Johnson will be a head coach in the NFL one day, too. So I think we'll look back in maybe four or five years and realize that that room right there of those four guys was is a really uh, predictive one for the NFL future. Eric, we know that the Shrine Bowl is the longest-running all-star showcase uh, that they, that there's out there. Uh, we love it. There's uh, so many players that have come from it and had so much success in the NFL. How much have you seen it grow over the past few seasons? Yeah, I, I was brought on to lead the Shrine Bowl uh, two years ago, and, and really the mission was to make it a best-in-class all-star game, make it the best all-star game out there, but also I think a really powerful experience for our players and a really impactful one in the entire draft process for NFL teams, agents, players, media, et cetera, too. And I think us being in Vegas and being part of the Pro Bowl has really added a cool factor to it. But I'm really proud of the fact that we've done right by players. Our players really enjoy it. We get the benefit of Las Vegas, but also the focus on making this a really player-centric event, whether it's giving data to players for them to own, taking a bigger focus on content, making sure players have all the best resources. So I'm proud of the fact that when I look back in four or five years when the Shrine Bowl you know, is the top all-star game and really a method to the draft process. Those players that were here a year ago and this year are going to look back and say that was a great experience for us. So uh, I'm really proud of that, and hopefully we're, we're building quickly. We'll have maybe a 100% increase from our number of draft picks a year ago, and we'll keep on trucking forward, making the Shrine Bowl a best-in-class event.
You know, you mentioned Las Vegas and the experience. Do coaches and, and the you know the, the the coaching staff and even scouts do they pay attention to how the players are reacting to being in Las Vegas? Because we all know, Eric, it's not the it's not a normal city, right? It's a little bit different. Yeah. There's a few opportunities. How they they handle the area and the environment of Las Vegas? Yeah, I think I think NFL teams are hyper aware. Certainly, our two staffs are because they have curfews they require for their players in season as well, too. But I've told NFL teams, hey, we set the tone early on to these players a year ago, and we had absolutely no issues. We never needed a curfew. I think these players understand it is a job interview. And mm-hmm. to some degree, I want to take care of our players, but if you can't take care of business and be a professional for seven, eight days here in Las Vegas, then NFL teams aren't going to launch you either as well, too. So it's almost like a, a trial by fire for a lot of these guys. Right. They're busy seriously, but thankfully we, we focus a lot on character and evaluation of that focus during the draft, during the invite process for us at the Shrine Bowl, I think NFL teams see that with the quality of people we have as well, too. So, knock on wood, we had no issues a year ago and no issues this year so far. I think we'll have a lot of very mature players enjoy Vegas the right way, but right. make sure they take care of business during the week of practice. Talking all things Shrine Bowl right now with Eric Galco here on Radio Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness, and we'll be at Media Day next week. Excited about that at Allegiant Stadium. Get to see these players up close and personal. These coaches, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. And before we let you go, I wanted to ask you, now that the rosters are really set for the most part, uh, is there a position group that you look at and you think, you know what, I can't wait to see this group because this is a really strong group? You know, talking to the scouts the last couple of days, I've gotten the most questions and the most excitement about our receiver and DB group. And it just happened to work that way, that those are our two strongest parts of the roster. But talking NFL teams, it feels like a lot of top 100 picks, a lot of guys, they say, hey, that guy can play for us tomorrow too. So and I've heard some training numbers with some of our players, guys like Bryce Ford-Wheaton at West Virginia. He's a name to know. He's drawn comparisons to DK Metcalf in terms of his body type and the way he'll perform this week in practice too. So I think NFL clubs are, are the most excited about those receiver-DB matchups. We've got some great quarterbacks as well to throw them the ball, too. So I think everyone's going to be watching those Saturday practice in the morning one-on-one matchups with the first they're seeing. It's going to be exciting. I, I cannot wait. I got it marked on my calendar. See you all weekend long. Can't wait to see you at Media Day next week at Allegiant Stadium and uh, be able to see the game in action on Thursday, uh, February 2nd at Allegiant Stadium. Eric, thanks so much for your time each and every week. We do appreciate you. Appreciate it. Appreciate it, guys. We'll talk to you soon. All right. There he goes. Eric Galco, player director of football operations and player personnel for the East-West Shrine Bowl game. And, DeMond, it's going down. I mean, I'm telling you, Friday, they have guys coming into town. There's going to be media sessions. There's going to be a little bit of a media get-together. I got uh, folks that I know that cover the Falcons, folks that I know that cover the Patriots that are like, Hugh, I'm in your city. I'm in your city. Let's hook up. Let's link up. <laughs> that I always mean, works out well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, but it's just exciting because it's such a big showcase, right? I mean, the Pro Bowl is going to be here. Think about this. The Pro Bowl is going to be here in a week. But what's more important is this game because the Pro Bowl, the guys are already established. They're Pro Bowlers for a reason. Yeah, they're here to have fun. They're going to have fun. They're going to do everything they can to chill, relax, you know, not do too much work, but have a good time. Uh, appreciate the fact they're Pro Bowlers. These guys are trying to get to where they're at. They're trying to get to the league, so they're going to put it all on the line. And I think it's great to have it in Las Vegas because if you really want it, like Eric said, if you really want it, you won't worry about Las Vegas. Like, I'm not going to lie. Me at 19, I could have been here on a job interview, and I probably would have acted a fool, right? At me at 19, 20 years old, I would have been like, oh, I could just go out and have a couple drinks or hang out with the buddies, and I could get back and practice in the morning. It just, you've got to show your focus. Either you want it or you don't. I think it's really good. It's a really good test, and 
and I'll get to see who really wants it and who doesn't. And I like that it lines up perfectly with the Pro Bowl week. Like he said, some some Pro Bowl players are going to come and talk to these players. Yep. That's all the incentive that I would need is for someone yep. to tell me, hey, hey, I'm exactly where you want to be now. And you can look at it and you can see mm-hmm. that all you got to do, especially some people, Nate Burleson, right. Darren Waller, guys right. that actually competed in the Shrine Bowl. Because I know that some players, you obviously think you got to have those blinders on. You just got to be the best that you can be. But when you're coming from those mid-major schools and you're projected to be maybe a fourth or a fifth round pick. Yeah, you know, Max Crosby. Exactly. You know that, hey, the odds are against me. But if you can have that have that one player talk to you, like a Max Crosby, like a Darren Waller, hey, man, I wasn't my NFL career probably wasn't thought to be that much. But look at where I turned out to be. And it started here at the Shrine Bowl. That's all the talk I would need. Travius Hodges Tomlinson. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's the guy. He's not big. You'll appreciate him. He's not a big dude. He's short. But, man, he's got the fight in him as a corner. Saw him do it in high school level. Saw him do it in college level. He was in the national championship game for TCU. Now, of course, they lost. But he played on that level. He will be here at Allegiant Stadium. That is a guy I'm going to tell you right now, pay attention to. We'll talk to him at some point throughout the course of the weekend and this next coming week. He'll be on this show. I'm telling you right now, I believe he'll be a guy that goes no later than the late second round. I don't think he'll dip into the third round. I think he'll be off the board by the end of the second round. That's my prediction right now for the 2023 NFL Draft. But many thanks to Eric Galco, who joined us talking all things East-West Shrine Bowl game. Question that we threw out there to you, we want to hear from you as we have Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports joining us at 3.30. What does this front office need to do to you, need to do, not to you, to give you confidence that they have a plan? Is it a move that they got to make, a series of moves? Is it free agency, the draft? What is going to push the needle for you? That's the question we threw out there. 702-365-9200. Also, the don'tbebroke.com text line, 69187, keyword r This is Raider Nation Radio 920. It's Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q on Raider Nation Radio. Threw the question out there. What does this front office need to do to give you confidence that they have a plan? Is it a move, a series of moves? Is it free agency, the draft? What's going to push the needle for you? That's the question we've been asking at 69187, keyword R&R. That's the don'tbebroke.com text line. Thanks to the DLC. We definitely appreciate them. And, of course, 702-365-9200. That's the number you can call us and give us your feedback. We have Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She's going to join us in a matter of minutes, coming up around 3.30. My man Brad in Concord, California, he said, to be completely honest, I don't have an answer to what would raise confidence. Last offseason, Adams came, Perryman was kept, Crosby, Renfro, Waller, all signed new contracts. So with this season's results after that, I just don't know what would raise confidence at this point, which doesn't answer your question at all. That's my guy Brad in Concord. And I I appreciate the honesty. I really do, because some people might feel that way. There is nothing, you know, not nothing that they could do, but I just don't know what's going to give me that confidence. For me, I just want to see, I want to see it, what makes it feel like the, the team is being built. We all know the biggest question mark is obviously going to be who the quarterback is going to be until that, that question is answered. But I just want to make sure that the team is addressed. Damon, you had sound bites from Dave Ziegler talking about how to build a team, not just to be good one year. That's my biggest, if I could put one wish, right? If I could be, who was that, Ray J? Not one Ray J, one wish. No, that was Ray J. Was it Ray J, mm-hmm. one wish? If I had one wish, like Ray J used to sing back in the day, if I had one wish, it would be that the Raiders could build sustainability where they could go to the playoffs, and then you know this team is, man, this team is poised to go back to the playoffs next year, and it's not going to be four or five years in between visits to the playoffs or more. 
That would be the best thing ever. Even if they're not getting to the mountaintop immediately, that's okay. If you're going to the postseason every year, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm not that guy where I walk in the sports bar and they're like, oh, your team sucks. Right? Your team don't never make the playoffs. Or when they do, oh, that was on accident. They got lucky. I don't want I don't want to hear that. And that's just me being selfish. I don't want to hear people tell me, oh, well, that team just got lucky. That's the only reason they made the postseason last year. No, I want people to expect this team to make the postseason. So as long as I see this team being built, I want look, I'm as greedy as it gets. I'll be the first to say that. I want everything. I want it right now. So I would love to see Mark Davis hoisting a Lombardi like he he hoisted the trophy when the Aces won. I would love to see that parade on Las Vegas Boulevard. I would love to see that for the Raiders because what we saw for the Aces was nice. What you'd see for the Raiders would be incredible. They wouldn't just shut down part of the strip. They'd shut the whole damn thing down. It might act like New Year's on the, you know, it might act like New Year's on the strip where they shut everything down. If you ain't in by four, you, you, you ain't getting in. That's how that would be. I just want to see a team have that sustained success, but you cannot have that if you don't have a lot of talent on the roster. And there's some guys that are going to be really talented that might not get burned right away. How many times have the Raiders for years expected their young talent to go in and take over because they, they had a lack, they had a void there, right? We don't never see a guy, well, he's got to sit behind this dude. Like, who knows? Maybe Malcolm Koontz is that guy who's sitting behind you know, a, a Max Crosby. Well, they got so much talent that they can't get him off the bench. I don't believe that because I feel like he'd be in the, in the game more often just because I don't see all that talent on the field, right? But other teams that you see across the league have guys waiting in the wings. When a J.C. Jackson leaves in free agency, another guy steps right up. And, and when he leaves a free agency, another guy steps right up. The Patriots moved on from Chandler Jones years ago. Years they traded him to Arizona, and he went on to have fantastic seasons, right? They were able to move on. They're like, no, nah, we don't want to pay him that extra money. It's cool. We got plenty of cats behind him. We're good. That's what I want to see, where the confidence is a guy can walk. Right now, we're all talking about who they need to keep, and I know that conversation has resurfaced lately, and everyone's talking about you can't let that guy go, can't let that guy go. I want to get to the point where we're like, hey, Demond, if that guy leaves, it's going to be okay because you know there's about three cats behind him that are great. But that all starts with drafting well. You talk yep. about J.C. Jackson leaving and people being in the wings ready to go, but also it's drafting a guy like Marcus Jones where you can yep. say, hey, this guy, for right now, he's going to be an ace on special teams. But they know if they can let him develop a little bit more because yep. they know, hey, he's going to be a solid corner eventually. Where it comes to, hey, you can let him walk because also you believe in your drafting ability right. to say, hey, we can replace that guy. Exactly. I mean, think about this. Remember when the Raiders went and signed Corey Littleton from the Rams, linebacker? No, don't remind me. No, I'm just saying. Exactly. <laughs> he wasn't worth the salt with the Raiders. But you know what? He was a special teams guy that was undrafted that worked his way up through the wings with the Rams, did really well, and then went and got a big contract, and they didn't even sweat it when they let him walk. And you know what? They ain't sweating now. Corey Littleton's gone. Oh, well, no big deal. He got his bag from another team, did what the, the Rams needed him to do, and, and got on. That's where the Raiders need to get, to the point where they're able to let a guy walk and everyone's not so hung up on, oh, he's got to stay. He's got to stay. What are they going to do without him? No, just, you know, that's why we went through the list. It was 26 guys. We went through the list. I had five. Five as priorities. Bring these guys back. Everyone else, if they walk, they walk. Let them walk. Can't get hung up on bringing everybody back. You know what I mean? You got to, at some point, develop having that talent on your squad. Gerald in Jersey, you're up. Well, man, what's on your mind? Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm fantastic. 
All right. Well, listen. I mean, I don't think it it takes rocket science to understand what this team needs and its defense. Um, I, I just want to know. I want your opinion. You know, what's a fair assessment if you're looking at a defensive coordinator on your team or he's coached for other teams? What's a fair assessment on his body of work? Would it be two years, three years, four years? What do you think? No, I think, I think I mean, two years is, is, is a great sample size, right? I mean, one year is a good sample size, but I think two years really lets you know who this guy's going to be. And if they don't, and, and, you know, because everyone's going to say, well, he doesn't have the talent to, to do what he wants to do. Okay, but if you can't figure it out, to make the, that, that unit better than what it is, even with what you have, then that's a lot of that's on you as well. So I think when we're talking about Patrick Graham, and I'm sure that's where you're going, uh, the defensive coordinator for the Raiders, if he can't figure it out, we saw what he did in New York. He did not have a ton of talent in New York. Let's just keep it a buck. He didn't have a ton of talent, but he was able to figure things out. If he can figure things out, if they can give him a few more pieces and say, okay, Patrick, this is what we're giving you, go ahead and make it work. There was times where the Raiders' defense looked great. Right? It only it might have been a half a game. Against the Cardinals, they shut him out. 20 nothing in the first half. Couldn't get off the field in the second half. And the offense didn't help him out. So uh, I'm not asking him to be shut down. And I don't think you are either. I'm not asking for the Ravens. I'm not asking for, you know, the, the lights out Bears, the 85 Bears. I'm not asking for those kind of, not even the Niners. I would like to see the Niners defense. I'm not asking for all that. I'm just asking for a defense that you know, hey, this team has to go 98 yards with not that much time left on the clock, and you're going to stop them and have the confidence that they're going to do it. That's what I'm asking for. What they need to get done, they need to get done. That's what I'm asking for. Coming up next, Paloma Villacana, Fox 5 Sports. She joins the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. And all of a sudden, all the players, they come together. Mm -hmm. And they say when we come together, this locker room, and we hit the court at the Thomas and Mac, we are going to lay the smack down on them Lobos. Like that? Exactly. All right. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I am very happy to be here. Welcome back to Unnecessary Roughness. Here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Here's your boy Q. Wow, Damon hit you with some one wish. Hit you with some Ray J. Took it back to 2005 with that one right there. It's funny. In the commercial break, I walked out of the studio and I said Ray J one wish to Sylvia, whose office, uh, unfortunately for her, is right next to our studio now that we moved. So she has to hear our shenanigans all the time. And I said, what you know about Ray J? She said, that's Brandy's little brother. <laughs> when he was on Moesha? <laughs> Moesha was it, though, man. Moesha was a show back in the day. I was a big Moesha fan, but I was never really a big Brandy fan. You know, when she was just a girl next door sitting upside in her room or whatever she was doing, she was up to something in that room, but she never told us what she was up to. But you knew she was up to something, right? She wasn't just up there kicking it, checking out her braids. She was up there doing something. What you doing in the room, girl? Anyway, that's what Sylvia said. That's Brandy's little brother. I said, all right, there you go. That's all I needed to know. So there you go. I like that one wish. Thank you, DeMond, for that. Join us now on the phone lines. She is not Brandy's little brother. This is Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports on Twitter at Paloma Villacana. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon. What do you know about Ray J, Paloma? Oh, man. I mean, I was like, are we going to change this into a, a music hit? I'll start singing right now, Q. Hey, I mean, look, it ain't no, nothing but, but space and opportunity in between us, right? <laughs> man, if I was a sports reporter, I would definitely be, like, something in the music industry. I'm always singing, always rapping. So, you know, it's 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 a part of our business, right, to to have that little spunk in us. 
Yeah, it is. And it, it's it's really cool because, I, I mean, that's how I started out was a hip-hop DJ. And it's like, it's so great how it's all come together, right? Hip-hop, R&B, sports, it's all come together. And you see it embraced so much on the networks, on TV, on the radio. It's awesome. So I'm in my wheelhouse. So, yeah, when I brought up Ray J in the last segment, it just, yeah. I mean, there's other things he's famous for, but we won't talk about it. It's a family show. <laughs> <laughs> Funny. <laughs> right, right. Paloma Villacana joins us now from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920. So uh, getting into some really serious stuff, uh, how about UNLV? Came up with a big victory. They snapped a four-game yeah. losing streak last night. Uh, they went up against Wyoming, who's not very good, Paloma, but they still got that W. How important was that for them to pick up that win? Man, it was huge. It was huge. I mean, I've been on the road with the Running Rebels. You know, I've seen their... They're kind of losing slump they've been in, dropping four straight. doesn't feel good. Uh, but we know how talented the Mountain West is. We know how good this league is. We know how uh, much talent is in this league. So, uh, you know, I always talk about Kevin Kruger, just, you know, how tough it is to win in this conference. So, um, you know, a dub is a dub. They'll take it. I think they were um, much improved last night starting the game, much stronger on offense. I mean, they were able to put points up on the board early. Um, no one kind of looked like they were, you know, having a bad game. Everyone seemed to be in rhythm. EJ Harkless was back. Keyshawn Gilbert was putting up a good game. Jordan McCabe was, was feeling good, too. So, I think that was huge, a confidence boost for the Running Rebels who are, you know, hosting the team up north on Saturday. Um, I think if they if they would have dropped this game and lost five in a row, it just would have felt bad heading into UNR on Saturday. You don't want to lose five in a row when you're about to face your rival team on Saturday. So, um, yeah, a big 86-72 to 72 dub over Wyoming. And, and like uh, Coach Kruger said after the game, it was just good for his team to get that confidence back, get kind of their swag back on, on offense and, 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 you know, just have that feeling that they can win, they can come out on top, and um, hopefully this is a momentum swing for the Red and Rebels, you know, <laughs> and finish out the conference play strong. I mean, and beat Reno on, on Saturday at 7 p.m., which is also another really good team coming into town. So um, it's just it's not an easy conference. It's not an easy uh, you know, schedule. So so for the Running Rebels to take down Wyoming last night was huge. Um, you know, hopefully they can get the job done on Saturday too. During this losing streak, one of the problems was that teams were just raining down threes on the Rebels. Did Coach Kruger speak to maybe if he changed his defensive strategy a little bit? Yeah, I mean, that was a big struggle against Utah State. They, You know, Utah State was able to hit a lot of threes. We went up, we went up to Fresno. Isaiah Hill, you know, shot five of seven from deep with, you know, posted 28 points. So that was just a thing, not only from the three-point range, but just defensively overall. I mean, they were just sleepy on defense in, in Fresno. And, um, you know, that's, that's a game changer right there. I mean, allowing guys to just zip right past you. You know, I watched two back-to-back alley-oops from Fresno State right in front of me. And I was like, man, come on, y'all. Like, same play, same guys. Um, I was like, you know, wake up on defense. So, you know, Kevin Kruger just wanted to see more communication, more togetherness on defense. They got Elijah Parquet back, which is the fifth-year senior from Colorado, and he's one of their best defensive players. So things are, are trending in the right direction for the Running Rebels. You know, a, a step in the right direction is what Kevin Kruger said last night. And that's just the thing. You can't slip up on defense in the Mountain West. This league is too good. There's way too many good shooters, uh, way too much good talent in this league for you to just say, ah, you know, I'm just going to, 
think about playing defense on the next on the next possession. So your foot has to be on the gas on both ends of the court in the Mountain West. And speaking on the offensive end, EJ Harkless, last night he had a great game, 28 points. But what do you think that the team needs to do to be more consistent on offense and not have those hot and cold games? You know, it was the first game where I've really seen them, you know, lately in conference play, a strong start to, to the game offensively. I think, I mean, Keyshawn Gilbert was scoring early. Jordan McCabe was scoring early. It was great to see EJ Harkless, um, you know, scoring early. It's, it's, it's been like a second half for EJ Harkless or, you know, he comes through down the stretch in overtime. Um, but if EJ Harkless can get going early and Keyshawn Gilbert can get going early and, you know, Jordan McCabe, now you, now you bring in the freshman, the 6'7", 250 freshman, Keyshawn Hall, who's another big body out there. Um, you know, and if he's, he's hitting threes too, it's like, man, I didn't even know that they had this type of depth on their roster. But that's the big thing. If the running Rebels can get rolling on offense early, that can only help them rather than climbing back and, you know, having to tie the game up or go into overtime, which we've seen in conference play. So if they can build a little bit of a cushion like they did against Wyoming, uh, if they can do that moving forward, you know, and it's not easy. It's definitely not easy in the Mountain West. Um, but if they can do that moving forward and, and just come out the gate hot on offense um, and, 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 you know, put out fires on defense, then I think, you know, things will look good for them in the Mountain West. Yeah, it's a couple of additions that I want to talk about on the starting lineup. Parquet, you mentioned him, but also Victory Waka, you know, taking that spot uh-huh. from David Mwaka. Do you think that if the team goes smaller, that they'll have more success? Maybe not having the most rim protection, but also just being able to match up with anyone with versatility. Yeah, Vic, Vic's a big guy. I mean, he's, he's strong. He's really strong. You know, Coach Kruger was telling me that he likes uh, the aggression that he brings to the court. Um, he likes the, the spark he's been bringing to, to the court. Um, and, yeah, we, we just haven't seen a lot from David Mowaka, and I think that's just because, I don't know, the past couple games that he's been in there, he just hasn't been efficient. Um, you know, he just hasn't been that, that kind of gritty guy we're used to seeing um, on both ends of the court for Mowaka. I think he's been kind of in a shooting slump himself. So um, things are looking good with, with Vic in there. He's strong. He's big. He's aggressive. He put up a career game at Utah State. Um, so Vic is another guy that, that's definitely, um, you know, a factor on this team. And I think if you involve Vic more and you get the, you get the freshman Keyshawn Hall going, we're seeing more from Shane Noel, too. So I'm starting to see guys right now down the stretch of conference play where I'm like, hey, I mean, they're pretty good. He's pretty mm-hmm. good. And he's a freshman, you know. So um, Kevin Kruger's definitely been switching things up lately. You know, when you're on a four-game losing streak, you got to change things. You got to switch things up. You got to, um, you know, make adjustments or else, you know, things won't work out for you. Talking right now with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports here on Radio Nation Radio 920 and Necessary Roughness. You know, Paloma, one thing I noticed last night is that UNLV got under Wyoming's skin a little bit. Even their head coach got a tee at the, uh, towards the end of the game. Uh, what was going on with that? Was that something that UNLV just kind of rattled their cage a little bit? Yeah, I think every game in the Mountain West is so chippy. I mean, I've seen it. No, you know, the guys blew up on the bench at Utah State. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just so competitive. And we know how good this league is. We know how uh, how the coaches know each other, the players know each other, because these are all transfers, you know, from all over the country. And sometimes these transfers, you know, have played each other at, at their former schools, you know. So um, it, it's always chippy. It's always a, a, a fun show to watch. But, 
Yeah, I mean, it's and it's been fun to see Kevin Kruger kind of just come out of more, come out more this season. I feel like I'm seeing more of his personality. He he was, you know, as red as his jacket at New Mexico. <laughs> so um, it's been fun to see Kevin Kruger, you know, kind of just show more of his personality and 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 you know his anger and his frustration and trying to get the best out of his guys. But when it comes to Mountain West play, it's so competitive and it's so chippy. Um, every night, and you know, it was a big win for the Running Rebels last mm-hmm. night. But all these games have been, you know, two point, three point, four point losses. So, um, you know, each game has been close every night in the Mountain West. Yeah, and they got a, a big one coming up on Saturday night. Of course, the the Lady Rebels are going to play before them, but the Running Rebels hosting UNR, as you mentioned. I mean, that's a big game. What do they got to do to get a W on a Saturday? Yeah, the Wolfpack look good too. They look really good. Um, you know, and they've got some great players on there, too. Uh, but, man, it's always a rivalry game. So, you know, the records go out the window. Um, you know, the the, the pass kind of seeps in a little bit. They don't got Bryce Hamilton this year. He's around <laughs> 35 points, 40 points. But um, Saturday will be a really good a really good uh, game. And luckily the running Rebels are at home, so they got time to prepare for, for the Wolf Pack on Saturday. I know they just – uh, Reno just knocked off number 25 New Mexico uh, in a thriller, too. So, um, yeah, UNR once again has a really talented team, and it's going to be a fight on Saturday night. And for the Lady Rebels, too, they play at 2 p.m. Uh, at the Cox Pavilion. They're they're hosting UNR, and I heard their tickets are only $1. So nice. um, I'm going to catch the Lady Rebels game on Saturday at 2, and then I'm going to head over to the Thomas and Mac. But, um, you know, also got a hit on the Lady Rebels. I yes. mean, 9-0 conference play they've won 10 games in a row so um you know i think they're going to make it far in the tournament this year and lindy larock is is on a roll here in las vegas so um, i'm super proud of lindy and all the hard work she's putting into this team so exciting season for the lady rebels yeah, no, and, and I, I think that's really good what Lindy LaRock is doing with the Lady Rebels. It's been awesome. Uh, you know, of course, she's got the baby by her side. I, I saw where they said that that's their new mascot and everything. That's really cool, especially with what we saw going on with, uh, you know, De'Erica Hamby uh, with, uh, you know, with the Aces. It's just, it's really refreshing to see what's going on and how, how Lindy LaRock is being embraced by UNLV. Oh, yeah, Lindy's been traveling with her newborn baby, you know, all over the Mountain West where you're going to Wyoming and you're going to Utah and Boise and it's snowing and everything. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's great to see Lindy. And there's there's several moms who are at UNLV having to coach with, with their babies and, and have their families around. So it's great to see that UNLV and Eric Harper, you know, embraces that culture um, yeah, man, it was it was tough to see what Derricka Hamby had to go through with mm-hmm. the Aces and how candid she was, you know, how how candid she was in her Instagram posts, um, you know. But we've seen in the past the WNBA um, just so unfairly treat women, and it sucks because, man, like, this league is about women, for right. women. You know, it's, it's controlled by women. Um, you know, all the rules and, you know, all the legislation is done by women. So, you know, you would think they, they would have, you know, you know better uh, recognition of, you know, women are mothers. You know, we right. do have babies. Our bodies do have babies. What? To Dierica, you know, her daughter was so cute, Amaya. Mm-hmm. So, um, hey, it's going to be chippy when the Aces play oh, with, yeah. uh, the Alex Park. So, yep. um, it's going to be chippy. Yeah, so, yeah it will. My best 
It will, and she's she's going to be one that's going to be fist, uh, missed by a lot of uh, a lot of uh, Aces yeah. fans because she she was a big time yeah. player for the Aces, very long time uh, run with the team as well. So I did want to ask you about because we know the NFL draft is going to be around in uh, in April, and, and I know that some UNLV players are going to All Star showcases. We've got the Shrine Bowl coming to town, uh, Senior Bowl is going to be going on. So I know there's some players that are that are former UNLV Rebels that are preparing for the uh, NFL draft. What kind of feedback have you been getting from different guys that are you know preparing for the next level yeah i just hung out with austin Ajike. he's coming back from the hula bowl i know some guys are playing in the east west shrine bowl um yeah I'm, I'm excited for for their pro day coming up um unlv's pro day is coming up in march and uh it was great to catch up with austin Ajike. he's training here in las vegas there's several uh guys from the mountain west training here in las vegas uh getting ready for their pro day um, Ajike said he talked to about half the league at the Hula Bowl, so he was able to get great feedback. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm really excited for, for the UNLV guys. Um, I know they put up, they put up a, a, a tough season under, under Coach Arroyo, uh, one of their better seasons, to be honest, one of their better seasons under Coach Arroyo. So, but, you know, your season's only half of it. You know, your, your pro day and, and all of that is, is the other half. So, Austin Ajikay's training here in Las Vegas and was just telling me that it's nice that he can focus on, on, on training and, and what he needs to do to, um, you know, have a successful pro day, which is coming up in March. So, um, you know, man, the draft, we're going to blink. The draft is <laughs> yes. going to be here. So I'm excited for them. Bringing it back locally on the high school level, you were recently at the girls' flag football game between Centennial and Desert Oasis. Right. What was it like talking to Ashari Hughes' mother and the event as yeah. a whole with the Raiders being a part of it as well? Yeah, it was great. It was uh, really emotional, really, um, really a special night at Centennial High School, speaking to Ashari Hughes' mother and, and father, who were so grateful that the Raiders were out there. Um, they had some Raiders alumni out there, Roy Hart, giving out Nike game balls that said, do it for Ashari. Um, I spoke to both of her head coaches, and both of her head coaches from Desert Oasis and Centennial just only raved about the great student she was, the great athlete she was. You know, her mom told me that she loved football. That was, like, her number one love. So um, it's just it's great to see that her life is being remembered here in Las Vegas. The Raiders care about that, too. You know, the Raiders want to be a big part of our community. So, um, you know, the Raiders were giving out the Nike balls, and they were out there watching the game. So, um, you know, my hat goes off to the Raiders and them being a big part of our community and caring about our community. But it was great catching up with her parents. You know, they were, you know, tears in their eyes telling me that, Ashari took all AP classes. She had she was on honor roll. Um, you know she was a great uh, leader on and off the field, and that um, they're just so proud to see the community really come together and honor her life. And um, you know everyone making sure that you know the family's taken care of and that you know she's remembered here in Las Vegas. So I know how big girls flag football is here in the valley. Mm-hmm. So I know that you know Ashari Hughes will definitely be um, 
you know, always remembered and at the heart of, of flag football here in Las Vegas. Yeah, she really will. And for anyone who just doesn't know the story, Ashari Hughes, she passed, uh, she collapsed actually at her uh, at her flag football game. She uh, went on to pass uh, pass away, unfortunately, at a very young age and a fantastic player, a fantastic person, uh, great in, in school and everything. So definitely uh, be missed in a major way. And I thought it was great what the Raiders did just to kind of honor her, her life and everything she got going on and to see the flag football community really come together and, and honor Honor her like they did just the other night. Well, uh, Paloma, we did want to ask, what do you have coming out on uh, on the Reb Zone that we need to be on the lookout for? Yeah, I mean, we're ho- we're hosting a big signing day show with UNLV on February first uh, with Barry Odom and his coaching staff. They'll be in studio with us on on February first for for UNLV's national signing day show. So that's exciting. I'm excited. I don't mm-hmm. think Barry Odom um, has been in studio with us yet. So excited to host that show with him. Uh, and then on the red zone, I always with basketball and everything going on. I have a piece with Austin Anjike. Um, I'm sitting down with UNLV Volleyball's new head coach, who's also a mother and, and has, has babies around her program. So um, always just trying to find nuggets in the UNLV community that I can spotlight, that I can showcase, um, you know, and try and make it more than, than just X's and O's and, and basketball. So i um, excited to have, uh, you know, the Lady Rebels and the Running Rebels going right now, but also want to make sure that, like we just men- mentioned, Austin Ajikay and all the guys getting ready for the draft and um, upcoming signing day. So there's a lot going on at, at UNLV always. So definitely tune into the Reb Zone every Sunday at 1030. Well, I'll tell you right now, Palomo, there's a couple nuggets uh, here in the Las Vegas community that you can, uh, you know, have part of your show. I'm just saying I'll, I'll volunteer myself at DeMond for uh, any, anything that you need. I'm just saying we're available. <laughs> <laughs> two nuggets, two nuggets right here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I'm the cooler nugget. He's just a nugget. I'm the cooler nugget. <laughs> <laughs> too funny, too funny, y'all. Oh my good goodness, goodness gracious, good stuff, Paloma. We definitely appreciate you as always. Keep up the good work. We'll be talking to you soon. Appreciate you, Q. Bye, guys. All right, see you. There she goes, Paloma Villacana, Fox Five Sports on Twitter at Paloma Villacana. And I mean, I'm just saying, you're guaranteed to miss a shot you don't take, Demond. You are, man. We got to get on the Reb Zone. I want to talk You're about You're not even UNLV. trying. Look, I no. keep, every time we talk to her, I keep putting it out there like, hey, Paloma, if you need some folks in studio, I got you. But she's already got both of the coaches. I mean, I want to be on the show with Coach as well because well, I'm going to so. ask the hard-to-ask questions. Like I'm gonna, she's not? I'm going to grill him. It's going to be like no holds bar. It's going to be like one of those. You, you're in the cage with Demond, Coach. You sound like one of them cats on Twitter that be coming at our next, right? Be talking all that trash, and then all of a sudden they get near us and be like, "Hey, man, you want to take a picture?" Right? I mean, like that. Come on, man. We can get it after I ask the tough questions. <laughs> okay. Well, all you got to do is say, "Paloma, I need to be in studio. I need to be your co-host this night." I'm just saying. You got to throw your. Uh, you got to throw your call letters out there. Let them know. Like, do you know who I am? Don't say you're Cowboy Cotton because they'll, they'll laugh you off the street. Say you're Demond Cotton, LVSportsNetwork.com, host of the fight game, co-host of Unnecessary Roughness. Like, you got to throw that out there. You got to say it with your chest, though. Yeah, exactly. It's out there. Okay. Just don't, don't say it like Kevin who walk up in hip-hop. Don't say it like hip-hop who walk up and down the hallway. I'm trying not to be like Kevin every day. No, don't. He got all of them hickeys on his neck and everything. Let's I'm, not talk about that. All right, let's not talk about that. Thank you to Paloma Villacana. We definitely appreciate her. 340, 3.54 is the time. Excuse me. Man, we went a little long with Paloma. Coming home back, we'll kick off hour number three of the show. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.